Open your Bibles to the book of Acts, Acts chapter 20, 21, Acts chapter 21, verses 15 through 36. We are going through, preaching through, Acts of the Apostles, outstanding book of the Bible, seeing how the early church just grew and grew and grew from the work of these men, from Paul's missionary journeys. It started, the church started with Pentecost there in Jerusalem, and it just flourished, and it just continued on to grow. So I want you to go ahead and turn your Bibles to Acts chapter 21, and we're going to read what God's Word has. God has a message and a plan for you tonight, and I hope you're able to certainly follow along. After we got ready and went up to Jerusalem, some of the disciples from Caesarea also went up with us and brought, us, brought to us my son of Cyprus, an early disciple with whom we were to stay. Now, what's going on here is Paul is arrived in Jerusalem. He shows up there, and what he's meeting is he's already been warned that he's going to die, and um, there's this gentleman that from Cyprus, which Paul went to in his first missionary journey. He's a believer, and he's joining in here. So he comes there, and that's, he provides the lodging for them to stay in Jerusalem. It goes on to say, when we reached Jerusalem, verse 17, the brothers and sisters welcomed us warmly. The following day, Paul went in with us to James, and all the elders were present. James, this is Jesus' half-brother. He's become the leader there of the Jerusalem church. He's the key person. He is someone who's really very Jewish and is just trying to keep together amidst the persecution. He's got a tricky job because they're in Jerusalem. That's where the capital of Judaism is. So many of the believers have a Jewish background, a Jewish identity. And they still want to hold to the Mosaic law, yet they also believe Jesus is the Messiah. It goes on to say, verse 19. After greeting them, he reported in detail what God had done among the Gentiles through his ministry. When they heard it, they glorified God and said, You see, brother, how many thousands of Jews there are? who have believed, and they are all zealous for the law. But they have been informed about you, that you are teaching all the Jews who are among the Gentiles to abandon Moses, telling them not to circumcise their children or to live according to our customs. So what is to be done? They will certainly hear that you've come. Therefore do what we tell you. We have four men who have made a vow. The vow they've made, these four men, this likely a Nazarite vow. Nazarite vow was found in the book of Numbers. Numbers chapter 6, verses 1 through 13, talk about taking a Nazarite vow. Uh, John the Baptist took a Nazarite vow. Samson in the Old Testament took a Nazarite vow. This is a vow that your son is given and pledged to the Lord. A Nazarite vow means... You're going to avoid wine. You're not going to touch dead bodies. You're not going to cut your hair. You're going to avoid anything unclean. That's the vow. 
And these men are coming off of this vow. So what they've got to show is that Paul, Paul has been out in Gentile lands, and he's coming back to a very Jewish community. And he has to be able to show that he respects the Mosaic Law. We respect the Mosaic Law. The Mosaic Law is the Old Testament. Jesus didn't come to disregard the Mosaic Law. He came to fulfill it. Jesus is the fulfillment of Old Testament prophecy. Mosaic Law teaches us the Ten Commandments. Mosaic Law gives us an ethic on how to live. Mosaic Law even teaches how to quarantine in times of the coronavirus to stay away from others. Keep going here in your Bibles. Verse 24. Take these men, purify yourself along with them, and pay for them to get their heads shaved. Then everyone will know that what they were told about you amounts to nothing, but that you yourselves are also careful about observing the law. They just wanted to show Paul took a vow too. And he said, what vow did Paul take? What did, what did he participate in? What he's talking about is because he went to a Gentile territory. Numbers chapter 19, verse 12. We don't need to turn there. But the Bible tells us, Numbers 19, 12, that if you go into Gentile communities, Gentile land, you need to basically cleanse and purify yourself. And that's what Paul's doing. He's showing that I was able to do this. I participated and took this vow. I've cleansed myself from this. Keep going here in your Bibles. Verse 25. With regard to the Gentiles who have believed, we've written a letter containing our decision. That's the Jerusalem Council letter from Acts chapter 15. That they should keep themselves from food sacrificed to idols, from blood, from what is strangled, and from sexual immorality. So that's a standard there. Uh, that they're to live by. The, so they're giving Paul, say, Paul, you've been out on the mission field for all these years. You're back at Jerusalem. Things here are still very Jewish. You still, we, I still want you to show respect to Old Testament law, which Paul agreed to do. There was no problem with that. James asked him that. This is Jesus' half-brother. Paul's a respecter of persons. But here is what Paul opposed. I have it up here on the board. It's in the book of Galatians. Galatians chapter 2, verse 15. I want you to look at these two verses here. There's a difference from believing in Jesus and yet still holding to the Mosaic law. What is wrong is believing that a Christian is actually saved through the Mosaic law, by observing the law. We are saved by Jesus Christ. We're saved by the blood of Jesus. The law does not save us. The law points to us being a sinner. The law reminds us in need of a Savior. But the truth is, if you are trying to be saved by the law, you will not be saved. Look at this. We are Jews by birth and not Gentile sinners. Verse 16. And yet because we know that a person is not justified by works of the law. Okay, that's Mosaic law. You're not justified by that. But by faith in Jesus Christ, 
even we ourselves have believed in Christ Jesus. Meaning, Paul's saying, I'm Jewish. I know the law. I've been circumcised. I've followed the Ten Commandments. But I've also believed in Jesus. This was so that we might be justified by faith in Christ and not by the works of the law. Because by the works of the law, no human being will be justified. God gave us the Old Testament to point out our need for a Savior. He reminded us of His Ten Commandments on Mount Sinai that we are sinners. We're in need and we're to observe the Ten Commandments. We don't commit adultery. We don't steal. We don't worship any other Lord. God, Jesus came and uh, met those requirements. He affirmed them. Sermon on the Mount took each of those and said, this is what I say. This is what God says and we'll take it to a new level for your Christian life. There's a Christian ethic involved in the law. But the law doesn't save. And what Paul was, Paul had to be careful. Because he said, okay, I'll, I'll take the vow. I'll shave my head. I've been to Gentile territory. It doesn't save me. I don't have to do it. I'm just showing that I'm a respecter of persons. And I think our, our biblical principle for us as Christians, we need to be able to say, how do we play, keep and place our faith in Jesus Christ, live for Jesus, while at the same time being culturally sensitive to those that still hold the things that we really don't have to do. For example, have you been asked to wear a mask? Wearing a mask obviously doesn't save your life. It's not required in Scripture. It's not something God has told us we have to do. But because government officials, because the CDC, because Dr. Anthony Fauci has asked us to, because we want to be good citizens here in our state, in our city, because we want to honor, honor our government, we've put a mask on. Make other people feel comfortable. It's not required, but you're doing it as a respect. Now, Paul did not have to take this vow to shave his head. But he knew he was among Jewish people who were going to be taking vows, who were holding those, those, those rules. And if he wanted to be a witness among those folks, he says, you know, I'll, I'll take a vow too. I'll, I'll do as, uh, I'll be like the other people. Even though it doesn't save me, I'm going to go along. I have a quote up here. Look at this. There was concern that Paul was teaching people not to follow the Mosaic law. Our concern for us in Christianity, our greatest concern is that we want people to follow God's law, which is the Bible, which is Scripture, which saves us. It's by Jesus. The blood of Jesus saves us. 
So what, what are we concerned about? We aren't concerned about being, most importantly, a good American. We aren't most concerned about, for us, our citizenship, our social standing here in Lexington. Ultimately, we're answerable to God. We're answerable to this book right here. But I also know, if I'm going to do ministry, if I'm going to be a witness here in this city, I witness among people who in their life, the highest rule for them is the government. It's not this Bible. So I want to be a respecter of the law. He's among Jewish people who hold to this Mosaic law. I'm among people who hold to every word to what the government says because that's their highest form of authority. That's what lost man believes. But what we believe as a Christian is we believe in this Bible. It's higher than what the government says. But I don't want to lose my witness. So because I want to win people to Christ, I will respect what the government says while not breaking the Bible. That's what Paul's saying. He's saying, if I need to shave my head, I'll shave my head. And what I'm saying, if you need to wear a mask, if I need to wear a silly little mask, I'll wear a mask. And we answer to God. He's above the government. We want to be wise. We don't want to spread germs. It's another reason to wear a mask. We don't want to spread the coronavirus. We want church to be a safe place. We want public worship to be a place for all people. That's what Paul's saying here. Saying following the law, following the government does not equal salvation. Jesus is who saves us. All right. Last section here. Keep reading in your Bible. Acts chapter 21, verse, verses 26 through 36. This is a riot over Paul. Everywhere Paul went, it seemed like a riot broke out. Everywhere this guy goes, trouble just seems to follow him. And all the man does is stand for Jesus. And of course, incredible things are going to happen. Acts chapter 21, verse 26. The next day, Paul took the men. These are the four men that just shaved their head. They came off their Nazarite vow. Having purified himself along with them, he entered the temple, announcing the completion of the purification days, when the offering would be made for each of them. That would be common. That's what you do. When the seven days were nearly over, some Jews from the province of Asia saw him in the temple and stirred up the whole crowd and seized him. So they grabbed Paul, shouting, Fellow Israelites, help! This is the man who teaches everyone everywhere against our people. Our law in this place. What's more, he also brought Greeks into the temple and has defiled this holy place. Again, that's just like fake news. They just made that up. There's nowhere that says Paul's bringing Greeks into the temple to defile the place. You know, when you, want to get, when you want to get rid of somebody, you just make up charges. You just you dream of things. It's called gossip. The whole city, or I'm sorry, verse 29. For they had previously seen Tropus, the Ephesian, in the city with him. And they supposed that Paul had brought him into the temple. So he, he's guilty of association. 
The whole city was stirred up, and the people rushed together. They seized Paul, dragged him out of the temple, and at once the gates were shut. So he got thrown out of church. That's what happened to Paul. Not the first time. As they were trying to kill him, poor Paul, he goes to church, and here he is now, or even seized, and trying to kill him. Word went up to the commander of the regiment that all of Jerusalem was in chaos. Remember, Roman authority, Roman rule is over this. Taking alongside soldiers and centurions, he immediately ran down to them. Seeing the commander and the soldiers, they stopped beating Paul. Paul is basically saved by Romans. Because he's just getting a, a mob. He, a mob gets a hold of him. They grab him. And they're like, this guy's defiling our temple. Let's just beat him up. And what happens is word gets up to the Romans that they want peace in Jerusalem. And they come down and say, wait a minute. We can't have this. Y'all back off on the man. You don't have the authority to kill this man. You do not have the authority to run around creating a riot. And it says they stopped beating Paul. Verse 33. Then the commander approached, took him into custody. So they just throw him in jail and ordered him to be bound with two chains. He asked who he was and what he had done. They have no clue who Paul is. Verse 34. Some in the crowd were shouting one thing and some another. Always when you have a mob, when you have a riot, there's chaos. Since he was not able to get reliable information because of the uproar, he ordered him to be taken into the barracks. So Paul just gets locked up. When Paul got, in, got, got to the steps, he had to be carried by the soldiers because of the violence of the crowd. So basically, even with him being carried off, even with him being taken away, they had to lift him up because the people were still trying to hit him. That's how violent the crowd was. Mob rule was trying to reach Paul. And if you remember, if you remember in that scripture passage before Agabus, the prophet, took Paul's belt and tied him and said, Paul, you go to Jerusalem. I'm not going to discourage you from it, but if you go to Jerusalem, you will be bound. And sure enough, he is bound at this point. Paul's going to go through a series of speeches he's going to make the whole time in custody. Paul's never free again at this point. This is the last time he's free. But he's lifted up and he's carried away. Verse 36, last verse here. For the mass of people followed him, yelling, get rid of him. They were, they had really turned against Paul. And what happened here is James had a plan. I have a little quote up here. James's plan, it did work by showing that, showing that Paul encouraged his Jewish identity. Everything was fine at first, but a man from Asia who had been a Jewish man who had been up in Asia, saw Paul and said, we don't like this guy. And the charges were made up. Paul went into the temple initially, and he announced his purification. He started out with a free worship service. Everything was going fine until all of a sudden one man basically stirred up the crowd against him. But in God's sovereignty, he's working through all this. You know, for us, the Jews are about to stone Paul. But the Roman soldiers, unlikely people who 
the same Roman soldiers who had crucified Jesus 30 years earlier basically saved his life, Paul. They want to keep peace. They didn't care what Paul's message was. God used, God allowed secular government to come in and actually provide the freedom of religion for Paul. You in this time of quarantine, we as a nation have been founded on the freedom of religion, the freedom to worship, the freedom to come and not have our government tell us who we're, we're to worship, not to make state religion. God gives us that freedom. The government protects it. And in your prayer life, you should be praying for elected leaders, praying for our governmental authorities, for that establishment clause. The establishment clause allows you and I to set foot in this wonderful sanctuary and worship the Lord. You know, last Sunday was Memorial Day. Folks lost their life for your and our freedom so we could worship the Lord. We never want to take that for granted. We never want to freely give it up at all. It's something here Paul experienced when the Romans basically rescued and saved his life. And what happened by the Romans saving Paul, the gospel was still able to continue to flourish. Paul goes on the rest of the book of Acts and makes five more speeches. He is bound but he has these defense speeches for why he's doing what he's doing. I want you to look at another scripture here. Last scripture we're going to see tonight. 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 22 and 23. This is a verse for you. This is a verse for this period. This is a verse that sums up our month. This is a verse for why we wear the face mask. This is a verse for how we live among people. Some who believe the coronavirus is a big hoax. Others who are in total fear. So how do, where do I live? Is it a hoax? Or is it, do I never leave my house? How do I live as a believer? Paul said, 1 Corinthians 9.22, To the weak I became weak in order to win the weak. I have become all things to all people, so that I may, by every possible means, save some. God's plan is for us to use our ability of all, being all things. We're not stuck. We're not, we're not one type of person. We're willing to change and do different things for the sole purpose of soul winning. For the sole purpose of winning some people to the gospel. Last verse, verse 23. Paul goes on to say, Now I do this because of the gospel, so that I may share in the blessings. Why do we do the things we do? Because God's will and God's plan is for people to be saved. And I want to share in that blessing of winning people to Jesus. Do you want to see people saved? Do you know someone lost? 
Do you know of somebody who needs the Lord? The Bible tells us Paul was willing to go to Jerusalem, knowing he's going to be bound, but God was going to give him an opportunity, give him a chance, so that he can give a defense for what he's doing. So he's now about to go in front of all these different groups, sharing the good news. Paul is bound. God saved him. But he's proud of his opportunity. He never wanted to miss an opportunity. I'm inviting you tonight to do the same. You do not want to miss an opportunity. God has a plan and purpose for you. God has a will for you. So you can become all things to all people. And those things are you do as the old adage says, you go do as the Romans do when you're in Rome. You don't break God's word. You don't break biblical truth. But you have to do certain things. And we're in many ways that season now. It's exciting to be able to freely live for Jesus. It's exciting so that your witness can lead others to him. I hope you are pointing people to the Lord. Maybe someone pointed you to this broadcast. Maybe you need to respond to Jesus. Do you need to get saved right now? Do you want to respond to the Lord? I want you to bow your heads. I want you to close your eyes. I want you to pray this prayer if you're ready to get saved. Dear Jesus, I'm a sinner. I need you. I need a Savior. Forgive me of my sins. I'm now yours. I give you my all. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Would you look up? I want, you, I want to hear from you. Send me a message. Message this Facebook page. Shoot me an email. God has a plan and purpose. Just like he did with Paul, he did, does with you. And our purpose is in every area of our life to live for him. God is using, Paul was able to adapt and take a valve to reach Jewish people. Then he allowed the Romans, they, were, they saved him. And now he's going into Roman courts and he's about to give a witness of defense one after another. For you, who do you know that needs the Lord? Who do you know that is spiritually lost, that needs to be saved? I want you to share this broadcast. This scripture points people to Jesus. These verses remind us of the passion. This reminds us why and how amidst of governmental authority and possibly even governmental overreach that we still hold to God's word. We hold to biblical truth, even amidst people who actually, I would even go so far as saying as they worship the government. The government is the top law in their land. Our top law is this Bible right here. And I want you to believe that and you follow that with your life. 
I want you to give and support the ministry and mission of Broadway Baptist Church. You can certainly click on the link, go to our website and tithe. God wants us to be a cheerful giver. It supports these broadcasts. It supports the lighthouse our church is to Lexington and beyond. Thank you. I hope to see you on Wednesday night. It's June starts tomorrow. It's a brand new month. We're going through the gospel of Mark. We're going to be in Mark chapter 7, and it's a powerful passage for you to continue this whole summer of growing in the Lord. God's blessing upon you. I'll see you Wednesday evening.